Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You're locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Welcome back to Duke Loves Wrestling, the show about pro wrestling and everything else. And let me tell you something. I'm pumped up. I'm excited. There's breaking news in the pro wrestling world, in the television world. I'm telling you, the industry will never be the same again. Okay? The WWE, somehow, someway, Vince McMahon has worked his magic and he managed to pull off another mega deal. But you don't want to hear that from me. I had to go out there, get somebody who's been covering this stuff who can really let me know what the nitty gritty is. What are the nuts and bolts of this deal? What the heck is going on? So without further ado, welcome back to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. He is the TV editor of The Wrap. My man, Mr. Tony Maglio. What's going on there, Mags? What's up, Duke? I'm doing uh, I'm doing great and just kind of enjoying all this wrestling news myself, just like you. Well, I, I got to tell you something, man. I am just completely dumbfounded by how they were able to pull this off. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to shut up for a second here. Let everybody know what the big news is, please, officially. Okay, so the big news of the last couple of days worth of big wrestling news is um, WWE Network is essentially shuttering in the U.S. and folding into Peacock, which is NBC Universal streaming service. NBC Universal, owned by Comcast, is the company that owns USA Network, as well as NBC Broadcast, as well as the shuttering itself NBC Sportsnet cable channel. Um, so what this basically means is that all American um Subscribers to WWE Network, if you still want to access that content, what you have to do is you have to become a subscriber to Peacock. And that's good for two reasons for consumers. Number one, you have the option of having a cheaper subscription at $4.99 per month, which includes commercials, if you can bear commercials. If you don't want to bear commercials, pay $9.99 a month. It's ad-free, exactly what you were paying for WWE Network to begin with. You're still going to get all the same content, the pay-per-views and everything. You won't have commercials on that, just like most WWE Network programming did not have in the first place. And you also get all the other Peacock stuff, like The Office and whatever else uh, NBC Universal and you know Universal has to offer, both in terms of movies and, and TV shows. So uh, you know, one more little benefit, if it works out in the way that many of us expect it to work out, you got to imagine Peacock and NBC and Comcast with all their technology – is going to have a better operating platform than WWE Network had, um, which is not to say my personal opinion WWE Network was bad, but the technology was kind of a bit of an afterthought to a pro wrestling company. Now with Comcast, it is in some ways a technology company. Um, so you may have a superior streaming experience. You're not going to pay more. You know They may change the prices in the future. They say not anytime soon. Uh, you could even pay less. So, I mean, that's that's basically the nuts and bolts of it. There's going to be no more WWE Network here in the U.S. It's going to be all on Peacock. 
So, so I'm going to pepper you with a couple of questions, Max, just to, just for clarification's sake. I think I got it, but there are a lot of folks online who have taken a little bit of information and they've spun their own tales and what have you. So let's let's get to the facts here. So you're saying that with this new deal, the WWE Network is now going to be offered on the NBC Peacock Network, which is its own standalone app. Uh, that folks can download and you get all the offerings and what have you that they have. Does this mean that the WWE network, you know, like the website and what have you, does this mean that they're going to be shutting that down and you can only get to the network and its content on Peacock? Yeah. In the U S they're going to have to keep the concept of WWE network for international uh, subscribers at this point. I don't know, you know, locally it may be called something a little bit differently, but since it's the WWE's network, it's probably not going to differ too much. But yeah, now, or I shouldn't say now, on March 18th, when it migrates over there, you're essentially going to either automatically or you'd be given an option to become a Peacock subscriber. They said they were going to unveil those details of how they're going to handle these rollover subscriptions, you know, within a few weeks. But yeah, there will no, there is no longer going to be an option here in the U.S. Um, for WWE Network. So you can look at it one of two ways. And I'm not sure how it'll be integrated yet. I'm not sure if they're even sure if it'll be integrated yet. My guess is you will still technically be going to WWE Network within the confines of Peacock, as opposed to you're just going to Peacock and looking for uh, WrestleMania or whatever. It'll probably be like if you have uh, you know, a Hulu subscription or, or if you use Roku, maybe it's a possibly uh, an even better reference. And then you go find the channel within the channel. Um, but yeah, there will be no WWE Network, um, not even an option. And, you know, as far as I can tell, unless the prices get raised on a schedule that is uh, more, uh, unless they ramp that schedule up a little bit faster than what executives have told us, there really shouldn't be a downside if anything, you know, you're just getting access to stuff beyond wrestling programming. If you want it, you want it. If you don't want it, you don't want it. That's a, that's an interesting concept, and I'm glad you say that, Mags, because a lot of folks, and here we go, online, you know, the the internet wrestling community, they, they, they're so smart and they know so much about everything. Um, they can't seem to wrap their head around the fact that wrestling fans watch more than just wrestling. So, you know, whether it's The Office or uh, what's that show, that new show with Kevin and Costner, Yellowstone, right. you know, these, these are entities owned by NBC Universal and, and are offered on the Peacock Network. Um, you're, you're a TV editor for The Wrap. I mean, legitimately, it's one of the top industry uh, publications there. It's a trade magazine online, the whole nine yards. Tell me, Tony, do wrestling fans watch more than just pro wrestling? God, I hope they do. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not because I don't know how you could possibly watch all of this pro wrestling content and then still have time to watch other things. So I highly recommend trying to do that. Uh, you know, when I tried to watch every Raw, every SmackDown, I never really had the time for the NXTs of the world, unfortunately, at least not on a regular basis. Every pay-per-view of which, you know, even just WWE alone, there's now one a month. It was very difficult to keep up with, uh, you know, mainstream entertainment programming, uh, especially you know if it's during your other sports season. If you're a football 
uh, fan or a baseball fan or, or an NBA fan or what have you. Uh, but I do believe, uh, you know, the, the vast majority uh, of what one might call casual pro wrestling fans, they're probably pretty excited to be able to combine their office subscription or, or as you put a Yellowstone, another hit show um, with, you know, the, the pay-per-views that they might, you know, ordinarily uh, subscribe to WWE Network for or the documentary series um, or, you know, the archives or or what have you, but uh, yeah, it's it's a bang for your buck move here for consumers. I don't I don't see downside for consumers, um, which is very you know important to me. I'm a consumer, just like you and your listeners. Um, you know, I, I think we, you know, we'll probably get into the financials for the the other companies and and whether it's a upside downside for those people. But you know, listen for your average fan uh, like myself, um, and maybe for for a fan who's you know even more obsessed with watching all the wrestling content as they can, as they can get their hands on. Hey, maybe your, maybe your wife, maybe your kids, maybe your partner, uh, whoever you share your subscription with, maybe they're just as happy to watch entertainment programming. So really you're getting a general streaming service that maybe you wouldn't have gotten before. And you're still getting all the wrestling content. It, this whole situation makes me think about my own habits, uh, watching TV and, and, you know, I'm an East coast guy like you are, I'm in Boston I have Comcast and Peacock Network is included in my subscription to Comcast. So I'm I'm already set up and ready to go, baby. Um, I primarily watch the WWE Network through my PS4, my PlayStation 4. So I got to turn that on. I got to log in. I got to go to the WWE Network. It's, It's a deliberate process that takes about a minute and a half, two minutes to go from start to finish there. Um, I watch what I want to watch. So let's say I'm watching a pay-per-view or a documentary or whatever. And then when it's done, I got to shut it down and turn it off, switch my TV back to the cable, and then go about my business on Comcast. With Peacock now, which is a standalone app that Comcast has, it's like changing the channel. I can just click on Peacock and it's there. I can go to the WWE, watch what I have to watch, and then I don't have to go anywhere. You know, I, I can, if I want to, it's it's 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night now. The pay-per-view is over. I'm getting ready for bed. I can watch a rerun of The Office. I can watch a rerun of this and that and what have you. I don't, it literally forces you to stay longer, in my opinion. And I know this is what's going to happen to me. I don't have to look for something else to watch because it's all there. So I think it's a brilliant move in that regard, and, and I want to get your take on that. Does does that make sense as, as a consumer? Does that make sense to you? Um, no, I, listen. I think the integration is incredibly important. You know, it, it's we all want everything immediately, and, and you're not wrong when it comes to the timeline you broke down. I, I at this point primarily use, I would say, my LG Smart TV to access WWE Network, but when I'm in my basement, it's my Xbox and. I know what you mean. It's a few extra steps to get from one thing to another thing. Uh, and when that is not necessary, uh, it's in the interest of the consumer and, and making consumer happy is in the interest of Comcast. I mean, the reason, you know, one of the big selling points for Peacock, or I don't even know if the word selling point would be right because it is free for Comcast and for Cox customers. And one day it may not be free, but um, what a pretty good uh, advantage to having Comcast as a cable company. I, I do not have Comcast, so I'll have to 
log in, um, you know, some other way through Peacock. But yeah, the, the more seamless the integration, the better the viewer experience. And really the end goal for any major Hollywood or communications or media company here is to keep you, is to have all of this stuff and to keep you hooked on their stuff and with their stuff. And that's why Disney has, you know, more and more, uh, kind of apps within an app of Disney plus to keep you there. That's, that's why, you know, HBO max is the future and not HBO. That's, you know, one of the things Netflix has, has done so brilliantly is by having a, just a massive library of content and, you know, stuff that kind of starts automatically because it keeps you there. It keeps you within their app and that keeps you as a subscriber and that keeps your subscription revenue in their pocket. So, you know, the way everything is going here. I don't think you and I are going to have 14 streaming services. I mean, maybe one day if there's no such thing as cable and the money works out that way, but it's probably just going to be bigger fish eating smaller fish and then huge fish eating the bigger fish until eventually we have, you know, kind of a new bundle of programming. And, uh, you know, whether that's, whether that's Peacock with Netflix, with Disney Plus, with HBO Max, maybe that's where it ends. Maybe Paramount Plus, which is the new uh, CBS All Access that's being rebranded. Maybe that becomes one. Maybe Discovery Plus becomes one. But at a certain point, you're not going to have, like I said, you know, 15, 20 streaming services that every household is subscribing to. So, you know, all of that said, to answer your question, yeah, this is, this is the way that Comcast looks at it's replacement of, of your regular cable bundle and the fact that they already own all of this content by virtue of owning NBC universal is, uh, is, is what makes them a major player. All of a sudden it's a new streaming service and it's a major player. You know, Mags, one of the things that I've had you on the show originally for, and, and I, I cannot have you on without bringing up is the whole debate about TV ratings mm. and, you know the, the the pro wrestling audience, especially the WWE audience, the folks who are the most vocal, at least, they're they're pretty serious about the fact that they don't like the current product and it's terrible, and the TV ratings are bad, so that that proves that it's terrible and all this other stuff. Yet the WWE just signed three separate billion dollar deals over the past three four years, so. My question to you is, how does a person even wrap their head around the fact that the TV ratings could be where they are, yet clearly this content is highly valued by the networks? Well, first of all, the Nielsen TV ratings are extremely flawed. They're still the best that we have because it's really the only company in town with a panel large enough to measure linear TV viewing. And, and do so on a somewhat reliable basis. Um, but one of the challenges of my jobs is, you know, of my job, I should say, is it is kind of making sense of those while knowing that they're extraordinarily flawed. I mean, for the most part, Nielsen is not measuring what people watch online. It's sure not measuring WWE Network viewership. Nobody knows how many people watch WWE Network except the people who work at WWE Network. And, and even that probably remains with the very highest ranks. So there are a lot of problems when it comes to relying solely on TV ratings. You know, another problem is that, that maybe doesn't impact wrestling so much, but possibly the documentaries, which are likely WWE Network's second most watched content beyond 
views is, is delayed viewing. I mean, yeah, some of us might stick around and watch a documentary after a pay-per-view because, you know, we're already into it. And then some of us might watch, you know, the undertaker last ride seven months, nine months, 18 months later. And that's not, you know, not only wouldn't that view not be included in a Nielsen rating to begin with, it's certainly not included in the night of number. Um, you know, if we even were to get such a number from, from WWE network, for example. So, you know, all that said is the ratings still have a value in that, you know, the dollar bill still has a value because it is, it is theoretically guaranteed against something that we all agree on. Um, it's still a currency and that's what the rating is. It's just a currency. Um, but in terms of actual billion dollar deals, in terms of coming up with these price points, um, you know, they're, they're not solely relying on a Nielsen rating to get there. They're, Absolutely taking it into account, but they're also looking at streaming numbers at, you know, long tail. In other words, what are people watching way later? Um, there, there are so many factors that come into, that come into play that, to come up with these dollar amounts during these negotiations. You know, an, an example that we reference, but not for ratings reasons, is The Office. We're, you know, talking about Peacock's top property that they um, took back off of Netflix, which also had a major money component. And the reason was, even though The Office has been off the year for, I don't even know, 10 years, more than that, whatever the number is, off the air, I should say, it's still, you know, possibly the most watched show on what we would call television. And that was through Netflix, and now it's through Peacock. So it is so many years old. How many people have not seen The Office yet? But people are still tuning in to watch it. And while they're not buying, um, they're not buying product off of commercials because Netflix does not have commercials, you know, if it was on cable or if it was in an ad environment like Peacock's premium tier, there's still the value to having that um, for, for uh, an ad buyer, for basically someone who's trying to do marketing. So all of that is a very long all over the map kind of explanation about, which is to say, when you're wondering why the Fox SmackDown rating equates to a billion dollars over five years, it's because it's not really just the rating that's doing that. It's part of it, but it's 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 not what it used to be. It's not simply this number of people saw this commercial. We could sell, sell that commercial time to Pepsi. It's not like it used to be. There's so many different other monetization opportunities here and, and and frankly they all have to be considered on a long-term basis when, when coming up with a, a crazy number like a billion dollars and you said it there i mean five years uh a billion dollars that's a smackdown deal allegedly the the uh raw deal is something similar and now you have this wwe network deal with peacock uh they're all right around the same number there with one another I, a little birdie told me, Mags, that you're working on an article that will explore how this may affect other wrestling companies like AEW. Is, is that true? So uh, what I'm currently writing um, is is basically could a deal between NBCU and WWE Network's content be a foot in the door for a deal where Comcast, which owns NBC, buys WWE. Um, you know, their media consolidation is nothing new. 
and it's just bigger companies getting bigger and more bloated and bigger and bigger, and they're all fighting for the same content. And content is king, and we all know that. And these guys have huge checkbooks, and we all know that. So what could that mean for for WWE? Well, if Vince McMahon ever decides he wants to sell or give up control of the company or get you know a huge backer with better marketing potential, could he sell to NBC Universal? It seems reasonable to me. Um, you know, before this deal, I would say NBC had a slight leg up on Fox, though I believe um, WWE prefers Fox's marketing approach and um, their platform. Uh, but that said, now that we have this deal underway and WWE is even more in bed with NBC Universal, it seems to make them the clear front runner in my eyes if WWE was ever going to sell to anybody. Now, I think any of us that follow Vince McMahon's career think he's never going to sell uh, the company, and and he, you know, that is that is it is his baby, and it is up to him. He owns the stock, he owns the voting rights. But if he does, I think it makes most sense that they're so tied tightly to NBC Universal right now that they go there, which is again owned by Comcast. Um, now the second question would be, what does that mean for AEW? Well, AEW is another. Uh, company that is owned by a billionaire family, the Cons, and um, you know they are on Turner's platforms on TNT. So, would it behoove AEW to sell to Turner, which is owned by Warner Media, which is owned by AT and T, another giant company? Absolutely, it would because there'd be money, uh, there'd be like exponential marketing and placement potential. Um, but they don't. They don't have to. You know, the cons are billionaires themselves. And, you know, Tony Khan, my understanding is, you know, this is kind of his life's dream. So I don't think either will sell to either of these companies. Um, but if they were going to, it, it, those seem like the most likely destinations. And it is certainly not without precedence in that, you know, WCW was owned by Turner. And, uh, you know, there are other leagues that are owned by networks, some like the XFL have been a total failure. Uh, the Bellator MMA is owned by Viacom CBS. So it's not unreasonable that uh, a pro wrestling company would see an opportunity um, to grow or to compete or really, frankly, to not be eaten by the competition by allowing itself to be purchased um, by a major, major media company of which you know, both Turner and NBC Universal uh, are examples of companies within giant companies. Um, but, you know, if I if I had to guess, no, I don't think the Cons or the McMahons would be interested in selling. Uh, just, just that it's not out of the realm of possibility. When can we expect to see that article, Max? Because you, you're bringing up something really interesting, and it's you know, the thing about you is that you're taking your, your educated – understanding of the industry and you're applying that to what if so that's that's really intriguing that's part of the reason why i respect you so much because nine times out of ten you're on to something when can we expect to see that article um well as we record this uh it should be so today is what tuesday as we record this uh i, I would expect it today or tomorrow probably tomorrow on wednesday um 20, whatever, 6th, 7th, whatever day that is. Every day is the same now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to oversell it. It's not, uh, it's not going to be incredibly lengthy, uh, groundbreaking, you know, discussion. It's, it's just 
merely a, well, what's the next step? We've done this billion-dollar deal. We've done that billion-dollar dollar deal. We're closing WWE Network. Um, well, where do we go from here? And, and, and possibly where where we go from here, uh, you know, if Vince McMahon was strictly a businessman, which I'm not insulting him by saying that. I, I appreciate how much pride he takes in his product, even if, you know, many people don't believe it's, it's up to par. Um, but if it was strictly a business move, if, if this was us asking George Barrios when he was with WWE, uh, they'd probably try to sell to NBC Universal in a heartbeat. Wow. Wow. Major. Major. Max, let everybody know, uh, how can they check out um, what you have going on, you and your team over there at The Wrap? I just, I, I have such a, a tremendous amount of respect and admiration for what you folks do over there because not just the wrestling content, which is something that you brought to the table personally, but you guys really do a great job of covering the TV and, and entertainment industry, Hollywood and what have you as a whole. Uh, I just, I'm really impressed with your publication there. So let everybody know how they can check it out, please. Well, thank you. That's really kind. Uh, therap.com, T-H-E, the W-R-A-P.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter. It's at Tony Maglio, T-O-N-Y-M-A-G-L-I-O. Um, and yeah, we, we do, uh, look, we're, we're, we're small-ish fish in a big pond. So in some way, I can relate to these companies that, that you know, remain independent, even though they, uh, you know, could theoretically be, be uh, better served as part of a larger company. You know, we've, not that I have any ownership stake in the RAP, but, you know, the RAP is, uh, is not part of a major, major um, media company like a lot of our direct competitors are. And that's not to say that there's not advantages. There certainly are to being part of a big company. But, you know, perhaps that's why... I respect, you know, their uh, independence, <laughs> I guess, as independent as one can be when you're in a publicly traded company like WWE. But uh, I guess I respect Vince's decision uh, with what he'd like to do with the company. And, uh, you know, at The Wrap, we're just doing our best to keep up with the big boys. And, uh, you know, I guess I guess it's not totally dissimilar uh, from the sports media industry itself. Hi, this is Earl Oliver from Sully Finish Wrestling. This is Raj Geary with WrestlingInc.com. This is Sean Henry, boxing writer and undercover low-key wrestling fan. And you're listening to Duke Love Wrestling. Woo! Always a pleasure talking to my man, Tony Maglio. Just a real good dude, knows his stuff. A true professional as well. And, you know, I, I can't stress this enough. Keep in mind that Tony Maglio is the television editor for The Rap. So The Rap covers Hollywood and, and television. It's a it's a trade publication. So it covers the industry and the ins and outs and what matters and the behind the scenes stuff as it relates to, you know, all the different TV shows and movies and things of that nature. Um, we as pro wrestling fans, you know, pro wrestling is such a significant part of our lives and it's something that we constantly interact about we talk about the old days we talk about what we want in the future we talk about what we see in front of us we love it we hate it somewhere in between whatever when you compare pro wrestling to the television industry as a whole literally as a, as a whole industry here pro wrestling is is a is a very small part of the overall television industry. That's just a fact. Now, it's an important part. 
you know, news, soap operas, and, and as an extension of a soap opera, pro wrestling. I mean, that's what TV was really built on, right? But there's so much more out there. And not just TV, but streaming services and whatever. There's so much out there. There's so much out there we can consume. Never mind the fact that there's also video games, uh, doing other things like spending time with your loved ones. Although most of us aren't doing that face-to-face as much now because of the pandemic. But you get my point here. Pro wrestling is is very small in the grand scheme of things of television. For Tony Maglio to take time to cover pro wrestling in any way is a very big deal. And, and it really is a, a service to the industry because he doesn't have to do that. In fact, I think before he became the editor over there, um, he was encouraged not to do it. He pitched it and nobody really went for it. So it wasn't until he became somebody in charge, his own self, that he started making it more of a point to slide some wrestling news in there, which is really cool. Because I'm going to tell you right now, it is night and day when you see the way that Tony Maglio covers pro wrestling compared to a lot of these other guys who claim to be quote unquote media from an ethical standpoint, Tony Maglio is not going to put it out there unless it's been confirmed and it's clear and, and, and it can stand up. That doesn't mean mistakes aren't made, but for the most part, because he's a legitimate journalist, because his team, you know, his publication, it's a legitimate news publication. They hold themselves up to the proper standards there. And you folks know, anyone who's been listening to this show for the past five years or so, you know, I'm very serious about driving the coverage of pro wrestling closer to that point where we can legit, we can cover it in a legitimate manner. There's just so much BS out there. And I'm sorry, don't don't make me say the names. There's so much BS out there. It's a, it's a bunch of baloney, the way that pro wrestling gets covered, because a lot of it is just... It's just, it's nonsense. The things that truly matter, when somebody steps up to the plate and starts to cover it, you, you, you folks get your fangs out and you want to shut it down. You want to suppress media coverage of real life issues that affect the pro wrestling industry and by proxy affects the greater world. And it's interesting because let's take the NFL, for example, domestic violence and drug abuse and all these other things in between happen in the NFL uh, pretty regularly. And that's unfortunate, but it's a fact, right? It was a guy that, that they just found out when he was in college, he, he beat his girlfriend half to death. I mean, he was, he was actually surprised. You know, the quote was, you're still alive? When she got up and ran to the bathroom after he bludgeoned the poor woman. It was terrible. This guy just, you know, teams are now saying they're not even going to sign this guy again. This guy got, you know, he's got issues. And that happened before he entered the NFL. That gets covered. That's that's big time news right now. That's that's close to the front page of news right now in general, not just sports news, but regular news and the issues being dissected and they're asking questions. How did this happen? Uh, How did this get past the people who are supposed to be doing background checks on the players? You know, whatever teams he played for, how come they didn't know, et cetera, et cetera, right? You can't do that covering pro wrestling for the most part. You can't do it. (laughs) You can't. Because if you try to do it, then the fangs come out. And we saw that happen with the whole coverage of uh, Brody Lee passing away in AEW. You know, Bruce Mitchell asked a simple question. Is is this really it? That 
this had nothing to do with COVID-19, the way that this guy passed away. How is that possible? How is it possible for a healthy, as far as we know, early 40s man whose job is to stay in, in decent cardio shape? How does this guy pass away from a lung issue? How, how did that not get caught? Does he not get physicals on a regular basis? I mean, you know, what's going on here? And then we find out that AEW had a massive outbreak, which could have been, and and I obviously don't know for sure, but I'm just putting this out here based on the facts. Come and get me if you have a problem with it. Could have been Chris Jericho going to that that super spreader event in Sturgis. It could have been. It could have, He could have been patient zero in terms of bringing it over to the AEW locker room. That's for another day. They had an outbreak. A bunch of talents got COVID-19, right? Right around the same time that Brody Lee had to go to the hospital, and which he, I guess he never left, and he ultimately passed away. To even ask the question, to even pursue the answers to that question, a guy lost his job over that. So it, it really makes me wonder, what is the apprehension? Why is it that pro wrestling can't be covered legitimately like news? Because that's the way it should be. Now, yes, I understand that there's sensationalism and there are different degrees of news. Right. But at the end of the day, we, we, we shouldn't be trying to suppress media. That doesn't make sense. That's not the American way. So I, I tip my hat to a guy like Tony Maglio, and that's why I continue to have him on the show, because I respect the fact that he is a legitimate journalist with ethics. And when he covers something, he makes sure he has his stuff together, he and his team, and they just do a phenomenal job at it. They really do. They do a phenomenal job. So, again, kudos to to Mags there. And this this thing with WWE and and, and you know Tony did a great job of, of breaking it down. Whatever you think is good or bad about pro wrestling, whatever you feel is entertaining or not entertaining, does not matter in the grand scheme of things as it relates to the business. They're probably not marketing to to you. They certainly aren't marketing to me. That's not to say that we can't find things that we like. I mean, let me tell you something. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's very rare I'll watch a wrestling program, especially, you know, whether it be WWE or Impact. Uh, it's very rare that I'll watch the whole program and not find something that I can enjoy. Even in AEW, I mean, I, I, I enjoy listening to Tony Schiavone do commentary, right? I enjoy uh, the lady ref in, in AEW. Her, her name is, I think it's Jess, but I have to, no, that's WWE. So I get that wrong. Aubrey, ref Aubrey Edwards. I enjoy watching her referee. I think she does a fantastic job. There's something that I that I like there. I enjoy seeing Big Swole. I enjoy seeing Ny- Nyla Rose. I enjoy seeing Thunder Rosa come in and slap Britt Baker around. And I think Britt Baker... Britt does a good job in her role. I enjoy that, right? I enjoy seeing an Arn Anderson just to see him. Arn Anderson is one of the nicest people I ever met from the wrestling industry, just a, a true gentleman and, and, and class personified. There's very It's very rare that I can watch a wrestling program and not find something to like, right? So we watch it. With that in mind, but you got to remember the next generation and then the generation after that is is the most important. 
for the most part, especially at WWE, they're marketing towards kids, man. They're trying to bring in that next generation of fan. So because of that, there's a lot of basic storyline material and, and basic outcomes of matches and what have you. They're not marketing to us. And I'm okay with that because not everything has to be exclusively for me. But you got to understand something. The population that they're marketing to has a significant value. And clearly they're valuable because the advertisers are letting the networks know we will pay top dollar for that content. Right. So that's how they can pull off three separate billion dollar deals in the past three years. It's, it's unheard of, but that's what they did. That's exactly what they did. SmackDown, Raw, and now the WWE Network. Each of those deals are, are billion dollar deals. That is fascinating that the WWE is able to pull that off during a time when TV ratings are in the toilet. During a time when everyone who analyzes pro wrestling and who analyzes WWE, they including my friend over there at WrestleNomics, Brandon Howard Thurston III, um, they all say that the popularity is is down significantly, right? Wrestling is not as popular today as it was 10, 20 years ago. Yet, and WWE in particular is not as popular as it was 10, 20 years ago. That's, that's the, all, all these analysts are saying that. Yet the WWE is making more money than ever before. And I guess this is where people like, and I am going to name some names, people like Dave Meltzer, this is where you get it wrong. Wade Keller, this is where you get it wrong. A guy who I like a lot, Vince Russo, this is where you get it wrong. This is where you get it wrong. Yes, WWE doesn't have the ratings that they had in in the past when Vince Russo was right in the Attitude Era. Absolutely. That's a fact, right? And you could even make the argument that WWE is, quote unquote, not as popular today as it was 20, 25 years ago. Okay, 30 years ago. Yes, that's a fact. Fine. But what you fail to realize and what you fail to acknowledge and guys like Glenn Gilberti, who gets on my nerves half the time and then half the time he actually makes sense somehow. um, What you fail to realize is that. Everything is down for the most part. Nothing is as popular as it was back then. And you know why? Because there's so many more ways to interact with things and there's so many more things to consume your time doing. Whoa, whoa, hold on a second, Duke. Uh, uh, The NFL was up uh, this season. So, no, they're very popular. Okay. (laughs) But do you really know how many people are interacting with that brand? Because you're only using one metric, which is Nielsen ratings. Well, well, good luck to that. Tony Maglio, who who literally he and his staff cover the TV industry as a whole, just said to you again, it's not the first time he's come on the show and said it, and he's written about this before. Nielsen ratings are not the most accurate measure of whether or not anything, any form of entertainment is popular. It's not. Because there's more than one way to interact with this stuff, right? And we live in an on-demand 
world now. There's a new Denzel Washington movie coming out. It's going to air starting tomorrow in the movie theaters, and it's going to be on HBO Go for the next 30 days, right? It's coming out tomorrow. I probably won't watch that movie until sometime Saturday or Sunday. If the if we were measuring the ratings and at first air on Friday, <laughs> not too many people watched it. Is it really a failure? Because I guarantee you it's going to be the number one movie in America. I can guarantee you that. Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, and uh, Jared Leto are all going to be in that movie. Well, they're all in that movie, I should say. Right? It's going to be the number one movie in America. Hands down, fact, you can quote me on that. But that doesn't mean that everybody's going to watch it when it first airs on Friday. So think about that for a second. As you hear the uh, police uh, sirens in my background here, I don't know. They might be coming to get me because I'm telling too much of the truth. I don't know. But my point is this. There's so many more ways to measure things other than, well, it just aired today, so that's where it goes. So now some of you bozos who think you know something will say, well, it matters to the advertisers. How many of you bozos actually have conversations with TV advertisers that you can put on the record? None. You don't know what matters to TV advertisers, so shut your mouth. You don't know. Because here's the problem, and I'm talking to each and every one of you. You can't explain how the WWE has managed to pull off three separate billion-dollar deals despite the fact that their TV ratings are in the toilet. You can't explain that. You have no, you, you, you're so great at pontificating about how terrible SmackDown is, about how terrible Raw is, about how out of touch Vince McMahon is. You're so great at that. You're the most brilliant people in the world at explaining that. Yet when it comes down to the bottom line, baby, how the hell is this company still managing to post record profits every single year? Record profits, not just that they're up. They're up beyond anything. Never seen anything like this before in this industry. You have no concept of how they're pulling that off. Each and every one of you, Dave Meltzer, Wade Keller, my friend Vince Russo, who just had a birthday, happy birthday, Vince, Glenn Gilberti, a.k.a. Disco Inferno. Not a single one of you can explain how the WWE is managing to pull off these deals. You don't make sense when you try to explain it. All you can do is, this is terrible. Nobody's watching it. It's not popular. Oh, man, they're in big trouble. Well, how the hell can you be in big trouble if you can sign three separate billion-dollar deals in a couple of years? How? Is that really trouble? <laughs> and, and let me tell you something. Let me peel back the curtain. I know for a fact that there, are, that there are TV networks that are bidding for more WWE content. Okay? I was involved in a very small way in a project that has to do with WWE content on a major network. Okay. So <laughs> there's no, there's no lack of interest in getting their content. Uh, let me just tell you that there's no lack of interest in getting their content out there. So, we, so you really got to ask yourself a question here. Is it possible that you just don't know what the hell you're talking about? Is it possible that the stuff that you thought you knew about the TV industry, it's outdated. You just don't know what you're talking about anymore. Your information is not fresh. 
Is that possible? Not only is it possible, it's the truth. Because if that's not the case, then you're just a liar and you're doing it on purpose. And I'm not going to call any of you a liar. I'm just going to say that you just, you're, you're, your information is outdated and it's time to freshen up. The WWE is not in trouble in any way. Their content is being consumed by the people that the advertising industry care about enough to shell out big money, which allows the networks to shell out big money to carry the content. And then the other part of that, this, and this is what I'm really getting to, everything else is down. Everything else is struggling. Everything else is not what it used to be according to the, to the Nielsen ratings. There's very few exceptions that are way up right now compared to where they were 10, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, okay? But there are more measures. And guess what? As regular consumers who don't work in that industry, we're not supposed to know what all the measures are. A lot of these networks, they have proprietary uh, measurements to figure out what matters most to them and figure out what to spend money on. That's a fact. And I don't care what industry you work in. Generally speaking, you have proprietary stuff to measure what's really going on. I mean, Jesus Christ, you podcasters out there, how many of you can honestly sit there and talk about your numbers? Talk about how many how many listens you get and where the fans are and all this other stuff, right? If you line up 20 podcasters in a room, 200, 2,000 podcasters in a room and ask them about their numbers, and then you tell them to print it out and prove it, you're not going <laughs> to, you're going to get a wide selection of information there. And most of it is going to be BS, right? Let's be honest here. Because the money in podcasting is in the sponsorships, to be honest, and doing the merchandise and stuff like that. You want to be picked up by somebody, but you're not sharing that with the general public, right? There's proprietary information there about how you measure who's listening to your shows and what have you. And the only people you're really going to talk to about that are advertisers and sponsors. You're not going to tell the world about that. That's proprietary. You don't want the whole world to know exactly how many people are listening to your podcast and what those demographics are. That information is what you use to negotiate, right? That's proprietary. So this whole notion that a measure that's like 50 years old is somehow some way the way to understand whether or not something on television is doing well, that's just foolish. That's just foolish. Because again, you can't explain how the WWE continues to make this these big deals on American television despite the fact that their ratings are in a toilet. You just don't know what you're talking about. And for all of you folks out there who want to hang on every word that some of these folks say, I shake my head at you. At what point do you say, you know, this person is just lying to me? Or this person just doesn't know what they're talking about and start challenging them to actually give a more accurate understanding of this. I've never heard Dave Meltzer intelligently explain how the WWE can pull off all these deals, despite the fact that according to him, oh, it's just terrible. It's hard to watch. You can barely watch it. It's not good. Right. Hey, Dave, maybe you don't know what you're talking about. Maybe your opinion of wrestling is so different from who matters to these advertisers 
that it really doesn't matter, Dave. Just, just I'll put that out there. You can you can suck on that one. We got to call it out. We got to call it out. And speaking of call outs, did you see this thing with Cameron Grimes? Cameron Grimes over there in, in WWE NXT. Did you see this thing with him? Somebody pulled up some old tweets from him. That tweets from like you know eight or nine years ago. He's saying the N word. He's he's using uh, gay slurs. He's doing all kinds of crazy stuff, right? And not just one time either. He's he's this is a thing for him. Multiple tweets where he's just talking nonsense, right? Something has to be done about that. Hey, you ever notice that the people who when, when things come up that people have said in the past, especially online. There's always knuckleheads who will say, well, come on, man. That was 10 years ago. You know, you can't hold them accountable for that. I've noticed that the majority of the people I've observed, not all, but the majority who I've observed who say that are generally the same people who complain about a guy and ladies kneeling during the national anthem, but yet they make excuses for these nut jobs who ran into the Capitol building and try to overthrow the government. There's an interesting uh, pattern there. They're all related in ideology, <laughs> which is really interesting. Out of touch with reality type of people, right? Cameron Grimes, he needs to be held accountable for what he said. Because my my question for this guy is, number one, do you still feel this way? Are you a, a, a racist, homophobic piece of trash? Or have you changed because this is this is about ideology here right this is about belief systems which are which are deep rooted that doesn't happen overnight where you just completely change what you what you know about the world and what you believe that takes time something dramatic has to happen in most cases for a person to change their ideology on life something has to happen so do you still feel that way Cameron or have you changed? And if you've changed, what brought the change about? Let's talk about your journey to go from being a racist, homophobic, tweeting piece of trash to something other than that. I'd love to hear what that story is. I want to hear about that evolution, if it even exists. WWE's got to take this guy off TV and put him through some serious sensitivity training and they need to study this guy and figure out if he if he's worth continuing to employ. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. Let me tell you something. I was talking to my mom about this the other day. It was, it was really interesting. We were talking about um, the current president, Joe Biden, how he's lifted that ban on transgendered folk in the military and the way they'd be discriminated against transgender in general and what have you, which is great. Um. And I, I said to my mom, I said, you know, you never brought us up, my sister and I, you never brought us up to hate anybody. You never disparaged gay people in any way or anything like that. So, you know, I'd never had a problem with gay people. And, and I've always known that gay people exist. And when I say gay, I'm using that as a catch-all. And I know I'm in, in 2021, it's incorrect because, you know, you, there's LGBTQ+, plus, there's different variations there's you know i understand that but you got to remember i was born in the 80s and as a kid when a person was 
with or having relations with somebody of the opposite sex. We just called it gay and that was it. So when I say gay, I'm, I'm speaking from that time period, right? I was never brought up to have a problem with that. That person has a blue shirt on. That person's wearing uh, black pants. That person is kissing that other person. They're gay. I'm going to go sit down and, and with, with a Pepsi and watch wrestling. Like I, <laughs> None of it matters. So what, right? Doesn't affect me one way or the other. What do I? What the hell do I care, right? So, that's that's an ideology that is deep rooted. It started from a young age, and I just I don't discriminate. I, you know, race and religion and sex and 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 all that other orientation. None of that stuff really matters to me in the terms of I need to take issue with somebody for being one way or another as it relates to any of those things. That's how I was brought up. I have not changed in my thinking on that, right? So I'm always curious about people who you find old messages, old tweets from them where they're saying racist, crazy, homophobic stuff. It's like, well, that was 10 years ago. Well, listen, man, if you pull up something that I said 10 years ago, you're, you're probably going to notice an interesting pattern there. It's the same stuff I'm saying today. And if you go back and you talk to somebody who knows me and who knew me, you know, I don't know, 35 years ago. And you ask them, to, you know, what was this guy talking about as a kid? Well, he was he was saying pretty much the same thing. He likes wrestling and, you know, he likes politics and. <laughs> I'm the same person. That doesn't mean I haven't matured and learned things about life and and learned lessons and what have you. Don't don't get me wrong here, but the basic foundation of who I am as a person and what I believe as a person is the same. It's the same. So I'm always mistrusting of folks who pull this. Well, that was ten years ago. What the hell does that mean? What 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 happened? What was your journey to get you from being that way to whatever it is that you are today? And is there a change? That's my question. And I think Cameron Grimes, he better he better answer that question quick. You're welcome to come on this show, Cameron. I don't think you have the, the fortitude to do so. And I'm sure that WWE, they're definitely not going to approve you to come on this show because they know that I'll ask you the serious questions about being a racist, homophobic piece of trash as far as you, the way that you tweet it. And I want to know what your real ideology on life is. And if it's changed since what you tweeted, I'd like to know about that. And then I would go a step further and start talking to people from your neighborhood where you grew up in and where you lived 10 years ago, or at least from that point to today, right? Right? From, from, from the last time you made a tweet like that to today, what if we just reached out to people in your life? It's not hard to do and just ask them. All right. So what's up with this camera guy? Is he all right? You know, is he a racist? Is he homophobe? Does he still say these things? Do you still talk like that? Do you remember any time in the past nine years or at least since that tweet that he said these things? Have you really changed if you have? Because that's how we can measure that. Oh, come on, Duke. You're going too far. Am I? People like that should not be on any kind of platform, at least not on not for a publicly traded company. They shouldn't be. And that stuff flies in AEW. I see that they have that 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 Shanna 
who, you know, she she's supporting some crazy alt-right organization, some French organization that, you know, they're just as nationalist and racist as they come. She supports that. And somehow, some way, Tony Khan finds it in his heart to employ her. I don't understand that. That's another story. These wrestling companies, man, they really make you scratch your head sometimes. WWE has a long history of screwing up in the same way. So don't get me wrong here. Don't get me started on The Undertaker and AJ Styles and whatever they really got going on. Cameron Grimes, you need to uh, need an answer for this, brother. And let us know what's really going on. I'd love to know. <laughs> I want to thank Tony Maglio for joining us this week. At Duke Loves Wrestling on Twitter, on Facebook. At uh, Duke Loves Wrestling at gmail.com. Shoot me a message. Let me know what you think. I'm always talking about something, especially on Twitter. People get a little worked up. I start calling things out on Twitter. That's what I do. That's right. Be kind to yourselves. Be kind to others. Catch you next week. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling. (laughs) 